Hi, I'm Connor Fowler. And I'm Matt Smith. Welcome to Apocalypse Duds. Again. Uh, you, dear listener, may not know this, but we record these out of order. So this is actually after the interview that we just did. A little behind-the-scenes podcasting magic. Brought to you from the Apocalypse Duds studios here in sunny Baltimore, Maryland. Yes, and by studio Connor means by, by studio Connor means that we are recording on a podcast platform uh, remotely Remote because I'm recording. <laughs> and our guest is wherever the fuck in the world we find someone. So uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you for the uh, Apocalypse Duds Global listening. Studio. The Global Studio. Yes, we're we are sadly not in a bunker somewhere that's like you know cast with six feet aluminum walls or whatever the fuck or maybe steel walls i wish we were in a bunker like yeah to be probably they would now. they would probably avoid aluminum probably but yeah i don't know, yeah. Much I, I don't know what the fuck i'm talking about with this so uh, i don't know yeah, much about bunker design <laughs> right right and uh yeah same here i don't have a bomb shelter that would be cool. uh but i guess we want to ready yeah. ourselves i mean that's the the, I'm reading the room, and it seems that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I always tell myself, and like, if you're a friend of mine, like in real life, uh, I probably said something like this to you. But I, I like to tell myself because of what I do for a living. Um, I will always have clothing to barter with someone that has like peanut butter when the apocalypse comes. Um, I will have a plethora of shit to. Uh, to trade for food and sustenance and things of that nature. So I'd like to think I'm... That's, well, why that's did you my need way. to trade when you got peanut butter? Well, I, I mean, but what I'm saying is like, it, yo, you've got food. I got Because every trade would be down. Every trade would be down. Peanut butter is the greatest food of all time. Uh, 100%. It's you know what food. I mean? Somebody would be like, here's some beef jerky. And you would be like, well, I'm a vegan, even after the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, you know I, I mean, mean, I can also, like, I, I kind of learned to forage. Like, this is something I've thought about a lot lately. Is, uh, I, I have friends that, that forage, like mushrooms and shit. Um, you know, I, I'm halfway scared that I would eat something that's, like, either going to send me to Venus or actually, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind that. Or... On the on the worst side of that spectrum, <laughs> something that would kill you should me. Be all the so. way you should be all the way scared. You definitely can't yeah. go foraging because I wouldn't be able to do the show without you. I mean, I mean, I uh, I, I have I need to learn. Um, I just have not yet, and I don't really know if that's in my skill set, which is very very low. Um, but uh, yeah, I just like I feel like foraging. Is, is a good preparation for the uh, oncoming whatever the fuck we're going to face. And maybe in our lifetime, maybe not. Wow, this, this, went, this went really dark, really fast. Um, yeah, uh, Connor and I were talking before we before we started this recording about just how fucking like, ridiculously stupid our government is at this point. And Juvenile. Juvenile, juvenile, like literally no one, uh, no one knows what the fuck's going on. Like nothing's happening. This is not a, this is not a way to live. Um, you know, I, I told Connor, you got to laugh to keep him crying. And I, that's kind of my mind. If I say I'm praying. <laughs> okay. I just like, yeah. I got to pull the quote on this one. Um, here we have it, uh, quote, when I make a statement that I'm praying about it, I'm praying about it. And when I get a call from the speaker and he belittles that to me, that shows another reason why we need a change in leadership, Burchett told reporters on the way to the House floor Tuesday. So that's Tim Burchett wow. of Tennessee. Yeah, they're, they're not sending their best, folks. Not sending their best. No, they're not sending their best, and that's like I, don't know, I, I, I also cool. would wager that that the opposite side is also mostly not sending their best. Uh, 
Like, no, it's no, all just no. So, I mean, it's, it's so fucking Nancy dumb. Nancy Pelosi is sure to die soon enough. Yeah, I mean, we we just got rid of Feinstein, so you know that, that's that's one step yeah. in the right direction, I guess. The powers uh, that if be. You're, if you're fucking pulling a weekend at Bernie's situation, you, you do not need to be legislating. Sorry, I'm not trying to be ages. I think I think we said this exact same thing on the fucking last intro, but yeah, just it's it like it's comical. It's beyond like the onion could not write the situations that we've endured for the past. I mean, I guess for a long time, but like with social media and yeah, like no, 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 it just like it's been like, it, like this you're forever. Not turn- it's been like this well, forever. It's been like this forever. Like the Bush but, administration. Well, what I'm saying is... The Bush administration? So, here's my point with that. Um, Bill Hicks, who... I feel like I have to, you know, mention him regularly, has a bit uh, about the Iraq War. The first one. Or uh, Saudi Arabia. Like, the Desert Storm. Where he talks about, you know, this was the first time on live television you can see a missile going down a hole and it's like couldn't we use that fucking technology for something good like hey that there's a hunger guy and shoot a sandwich at him and like that's kind of my point is that like since i guess the bush administration the first bush we've just gradually become more connected with what is happening so that it like it used to be turning on the eight o'clock news or the nine o'clock news or whatever now it's like all the time like i'm i'm a twitteraholic you know, I read far too much news, but like it's in front of my face all the fucking time. So yeah, like all of this shit has always happened, but it always, you know, it, it it's only the last like maybe twenty years or so that it's really been in your face at all times. The in your facedness of it, I guess. Um, I just the things that happened during the Bush administration were broadcast loud and clear. I mean, it was oh, totally, totally. social media as it is. But I'm not saying that like, it wasn't. I'm just saying that like now it's like, I feel like we've gotten dumber as a country. And also now there's a million and one things in your face at all, all times, not just like in the morning and the evening when you're reading the newspaper or watching the, the you know, prime time. Including this program. Including this program. (laughs) Including this program. Um, Yeah, uh, Connor has been a little sick this week. Uh, I don't think that that really affects the show all that much. It's not COVID. Um, I am starting a new band for the first time in a very, very fucking long time. um, Called Extinction Age, uh, which is kind of relevant to... Fitting. Yeah, uh, fitting... uh, a lot of things. Um, had the first band practice this Saturday, and I'm really, really fucking pumped. Um, yeah, well, much, uh, of course, I will spam the shit out of everything. Apocalypse does account, my account, whatever the fuck, uh, whenever we get something recorded. But yeah, we had a great yeah. interview with uh, with Stace uh, at Sartorial underscore Misfits. Um, Talked a lot, like it was a more freeform thing, but it, uh, yeah, it just allowed us to get into a lot of like good little snippets of conversation and tangents about um, kind of going from got to rep and all the things in between, uh, being influenced by whatever music you're listening to, which holds a special place in my heart. It was really fun. It was one of our one of our best conversations, I think. Um, and there will be a little uh, add-on at the end that I think you're probably going to want to stick around for because it's funny as shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, Connor, uh, I think we're good. Yeah, I think so. Um, enjoy the show. I think you will really yes. appreciate it. It's like, and um, it's a fun thing. It's fun. It's a, a lot of laughs. Yeah, sure. A lot of laughs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Please, <laughs> please rate uh, the show and review um, on 
choice. Um, if you'd like to contact us with anything, we're at Apocalypse Duds on Instagram and then ApocalypseDuds at gmail.com. Um, I am Matt Smith at RebelsRooks. And I'm Connor Fowler at Connor Fowler. And thank you for listening. See you next week. You are now listening to Apocalypse Duds. I'm sorry. I'm a little under the weather. I don't have COVID, but I am uh, congested. So bear with us. Our, our guest today is an extremely fashionable, dynamic dresser. Uh, we have used to see Santiago Pisani here in the studio with us at uh, the Sartorial Misfit on Instagram, who I guess I have been, we have been following each other for like about a year now. Um, I and I was going, it's, been that long. <laughs> eh, it's so come on, Stace, we're old friends, right? Yeah. It's when, you been... get, when you get to a certain age, time has no meaning, like, like a year. <laughs> A year to me, like I, I'll I'll think of something that happened, like you know, pre-COVID, and I'm like, oh yeah, that was a year or two ago. And I'm like, no, no, that was five years back. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I just I can't even pay attention. A year in Instagram time. <laughs> yeah, 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 Instagram time. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's a different, uh, it's a different type of world. Yeah, it truly is. Well, like Matt and I met on Instagram. Right? I mean, we talk about it on the show. It's how the show happened. But it really, it really has sustained the whole show. Like almost everyone we have met through Instagram, so it's kind of an amazing community. Yeah, it oh, can yeah. be. It definitely can be. Um, what Stace? What is your uh, what's your relationship with Instagram? Like, I feel like there's some people that still really, really enjoy it. I don't know how many of those people there are, but I feel like a lot of us. It's kind of like a like a love hate. So I just wanted to to quickly before we start uh start going through shit to get your take on that. Well, I used to only use Instagram on a private account that's just for like friends and family gotcha. or yeah. like my band account for like, you know, disseminating information about what my band was doing. So my sartorial account is the first time I'm interacting with like strangers and that's okay. kind of fun. That's sick. Do you uh, so yeah. what what is your band? I'm afraid to say it because if you go looking for it and you listen to it out of context, it's going to be very strange and very weird. And okay. we that, listen to it out of context. Okay. That kind of All sounds right. like. So if you want to listen to it, yeah, just, just. Yeah. You're what speaking a... Matt's language at this yeah, point. Yeah, okay, okay. So, okay. So just keep in mind when you go looking for this and you listen to this for the first time, you are listening to it completely out of context and just roll with it. Um, mm. My. My last project, it's no longer, we're no longer doing, but defunct. It's, it's defunct, but it's still out there and we're still making royalties. Okay. Um, nice. Nice. It's a, it's a group called Swoosh and Flick. If you search it, the first thing that will come up is actually a podcast. That's not me. Okay. Um, so you'd have to search Wizard Rock, Swoosh and Flick. Oh, Wizard Wh Rock. Here Wizard you are. Rock. Yeah, and okay. I don't think we have enough time on the podcast for me to explain it, so I'll just put it out there for, you know, to marinate for the future. Okay, um, sure. I guess the other thing that I have done, also defunct but still out there making royalties, um, is Cookie Galore. Okay. That's my mm. old electro band from the 90s. So I guess, wow. yeah, so listen to it in the context of this stuff was made in the 90s. I mean, uh, a lot of great so music what, in what particular. What are you playing? Yeah. Yeah, no, go on, Matt. That's oh, I, I was just going to say. where I'm headed anyway. A, a lot of great music uh, to a lot of Peach Grin was made in the fucking 90s. So I, I back, I'm a 90s mm -hmm. fan, 100%. Oh, yeah. But yeah, what, uh, what so instruments you... and things were you doing in the band, as, as Connor was going to ask? Um, so for Swish and Flick, it was, it's hip hop. So I would oh, write the sick. lyrics. I would produce the music, um, for Cookie Galore, also produce the music, play guitar. Um, I can also play drums. I play drums for my friends' bands. Um, oh, I play yeah. bass for people. Wow. So, yeah. So that's like yeah. the whole, you're like the whole band. <laughs> bass. Nice. Which nice. is tight. That's like, yeah, that's, uh, awesome. that's like, I don't know. People people try to do that 
and they suck at it. You know what I mean? So I mean, on you. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a very like Jay Maskus way to uh, to <laughs> make music. So I, I I respect that. Hold it. Fuck it. Thank you for sharing. Um, so where are you from, yeah, no and, and where do you live now? So um, I was born in Queens, New York. Um, I only lived there for a couple of years, and I was raised in the suburbs north of New York City. And I went away to college, upstate New York, and I came back to live in an hour north of New York City. So I never went very far. I'm a New Yorker for life. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like that's a very common uh, New York experience. Yeah. I mean, I I did spend like two years living in East Village, then I promptly to the suburbs. Yeah. Hey, whatever works. Like in the the 90s? Like in the 90s? Um, I lived in... I lived in the East Village. I want to say it was 2000. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so that's yeah. Like it was really yeah. Time. After after 9/11, I left the city. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, like man. directly after 9/11. Right. I yeah. I can I can only imagine like how uh, how living through an event like that in New York City was. Like, yeah. I don't know how I'll do. Yeah. Totally surreal. <laughs> yeah. For sure. For sure. So I was gonna lead with this with your Instagram bio, if you don't mind, Stace. Uh, bending the rules of fashion since 1975, from punk to preppy and everything in between. That is like what we like to hear around yeah, here, yeah. basically. <laughs> like uh, That's pretty so much our show. <laughs> how you, <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically. You're like the perfect, you're the perfect interview. So like, how do you do it is a bad question, but like, I guess to begin, what are your, some of your influences? inspirations um i I think in 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 order to explain like who i am now like sartorially i'd have Mm -hmm. to like go back to like way back and i'm really old so the story is long so i I don't know if you have time we we got man we're only we're only eight and a half minutes in we got we got a whole lot of time to kill yeah yeah okay. and we want to okay. know because it's a right. lot of cool it's a lot of cool time periods right so i i guess i'll start from sort of the beginning yeah sure so, i'm gonna like take in, notes so like as a kid in the the 80s and the 90s i i dressed my the way that i dressed was heavily heavily influenced by what music i was listening to like i was always super oh, yes. into music yeah and um you know back when magazines were an actual thing you know i scour magazines and try to emulate what these artists were wearing so we're talking like the cure the smiths mm-hmm. suede blur um some white yes. girl stuff hell yeah so and they they all dress very differently from each other like especially the brit pop stuff like they're all lumped into this one category of brit pop but they're so different in style totally. and i would pull from all those bands so i'd like wear thrifted 70s stuff or i'd emulate um courtney love and wear like a baby doll dress with combat boots. Yes. So that that was like my 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 teens and my 20s um and then when i entered the workforce i was kind of like i don't know forced to conform like trying to be an adult but i really didn't know what the heck i was doing so um i was kind of like forcing this notion of femininity upon myself like trying to be society's vision of what a woman is supposed to look like um wow and failing miserably because at the time i was feeling very dysphoric like this was before i understand who i was you know as you know i I, before i understood my gender and my sexuality Mm -hmm. so i spent many years wearing what I thought I should be wearing and feeling miserable and not feeling like nothing felt good on me and I couldn't understand why. Um, and then in my thirties, you know, this is like when social media was starting to become a thing, when um, like online communities started to become a thing, like I was getting exposed to all different kinds of people with different gender expressions. And I began to understand that um maybe I'm not supposed to be this ultra femi femme. So I started to kind of experiment, but on the down low. So I would steal my partner's clothes. My my partner is a cis man. Mm-hmm. And I would 
wear them when I was home alone and take pictures of myself. Like this was before you would take pictures of yourself and put it on the internet. Right. right. I would just do it for yeah. personal edification. Um, then Tumblr was a thing and I did a little bit on Tumblr, but putting things on Tumblr back then was like putting things out into the ether because didn't go anywhere. Right. Right. So then, you know, um, as I got older, my 40s, um, I started to understand that um, my gender expression is fluid. Um, I understood that I identify as non-binary, and that mm-hmm. freed me to um, to be a lot more purely expressive of what I really wanted to be wearing, like giving myself that freedom. So um, I guess that's how I got here. Um I, do, I guess I have to explain the preppy part, right? Because we, we went from like the 90s stuff and then now we're at, I've arrived at a place where I'm wearing a lot of preppy clothes. Because so, that is the like, the gear <laughs> yeah, that you're in right now, basically. It's like yeah, totally, preppy. totally. So this, okay, this weird thing happened. So there was the pandemic that happened, we all know. Um, I was yeah. wearing, um, I wasn't going anywhere, so I was wearing a lot of what I call goth leisure. So <laughs> I hearkened back to my goth self. <laughs> Nice. And nice. I'd wear like, you know, all black, really loose stuff, um, leggings, um, I think like Ali Sheedy in um Breakfast Club. Okay. That was mm-hmm. like my pandemic wear. Um it's a good outfit. The, <laughs> Yeah. Um and then twenty twenty one, um, something weird happened. Um, I was listening to Duran Duran, as you do. You're a Duran and, and I, I I wasn't always a Durani. Like, I was okay. not into Duran Duran when they were hot in the 80s. Right, I was listening right. to metal as a young child. Nice, nice. Um, but anyway, yeah. But, like, Wait. from the 90s on, yes. Uh, okay, sorry. So, uh, was... Side note, what what metal? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, I'm curious oh, about this as well. Okay. Um, We're not both black metal, so. My first, my first ever, ever concert was Suicidal Tendencies. Holy my second shit. is the Ramones. I've Fucking seen wow. Metallica twice, um, Anthrax, uh, Testament, like that kind of metal. Fuck. Okay. Yeah, so you're All into right. like the real, the <laughs> yeah, real the, shit. The actual, yeah, and, and I, so I'm a huge Metallica fan, um, not, like basically Justice and before. I don't give a fuck about anything else. Uh, some of the Garage, like the covers on that record are good. Anyway. I digress. I'm a huge Metallica. Huge. Uh, my, the first band that I ever played in uh, was basically a Metallica cover band, uh, which we've talked about. On the That's so awesome. Um, but <laughs> it's, so awesome. It, it's not my favorite record, um, but Kill 'Em All is easily, easily the best thrash record that's ever been made and recorded. So good. And yeah, so like, good. I, I end up talking about this a lot to people because I have a lot of musical conversation, but I, I want to go on record to say that Kill 'Em All is the fucking perfect thrash record. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Okay. They took Master all the cool. Puppets, they took all Master the cool puppets. aesthetics. Yeah, yeah. They took all the cool stuff. They took all the cool stuff. It's unfair what they did. Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. I have to say. Rod, about Rod the Lightning is my personal <laughs> favorite. Um, uh, I have for a very long time wanted a, a creeping death like back piece tattoo. Uh, oh, creeping I, death! I, like that song, and it's funny because like. A lot of a lot of my like early childhood and or I guess like late childhood, early teenage years, I was only allowed to listen to Christian uh, official. Wow, you know that's that's all I could buy, and I loved ska um, at like fourteen and fifteen. And so one of the like Christian ska bands, I, I I didn't put it together until years later, but they fucking ripped off Metallica Wait. intros, and Creeping Death was one of them. Christian <laughs> ska. Yeah. Christian ska, yeah. someone's Christian some, ska band. Christian ska band called the Supertones. Uh, they're probably still together. Uh, it did not age well, um, but yeah, I didn't put together until years no. later that like this intro that I loved, this Christian ska band, was actually the Creeping Death intro, and that's that's easily my favorite Metallica <laughs> song. Dude, Christian ska is like that belongs in a novel. Someone is the is I the mean, Christian ska front man. I, I would yeah, wager that it's, it's probably I still going down. on. Uh, Let's I, see. Yeah. I'm going to do some... Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, some that's research. my Christian Scott to Metallica Pipeline story. Anyway, please continue. He's a formal Christian alternative rock. <laughs> how, did we, how did we get here? Uh, Duran Duran. 
Duran Duran. Duran Duran in a different direction. <laughs> this, this is what no other podcast <laughs> on the planet is going to have a conversation about. This this exact Duran right. Duran, two metal yeah. Christian ska. <laughs> Uh, you heard it here, folks. That's an Apocalypse Duds original. Anyway, I think you were you were going from right. Duran Duran. Yeah, you were going from Duran Duran to Preppy. Right. Okay. So, listening to Duran Duran, and I thought to myself, I, 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 I'm, I wanted to write a book that felt like. Um, I should also note that I'm also a aspiring writer. I haven't published anything. Right. Of note, but anyway, so listening to Duran Duran, thought I wanted to write a book about it. And to me, Duran Duran sounded like privilege. It sounded like decadence. It oh. sounded like an Ivy League boy in a Porsche doing coke. Like, I want to yeah. write a book about this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going to be a direct quote. Wow. Man, this is our first well, the full qu- The full quote is, at, um, I, I did post something on my Insta, and it's a little dirtier. Um, okay. We're a dirty ship. We oh, a okay. Dirty ship. All right. So the, yeah. the whole thing was Duran Sing Duran us. felt like it felt like decadence, like an Ivy League boy in a Porsche doing coke, getting a blowjob. That's Whoa. Duran Duran. <laughs> yeah. And basically, that is that's my book, except super duper uber queer, because that's what I wanted. Fuck yes. Um, okay. All right. And that's great. So I, so I started doing research, and around the same time, I'm um, starting to take my daughter to look at colleges. And it's still kind of COVID time, so we're not really allowed to do tours. So I'm not seeing what the kids look. Right. So I have to get, I have to do research other ways. So I want to get the clothes right. right. I want to get the location right. So I, I googled and I found Avery Truffleman's podcast, Articles of Interest. And if you haven't yeah. listened, um, it's really good. Yeah, um, absolutely. She devoted an entire season to American Ivy. And so I use this as the basis of how to dress my characters. And in listening to the podcast, I, I listened to the season twice over. I discovered that Ivy style, preppy style, is actually really accessible and actually looks good on a variety of people. And is perfect for somebody who is gender non-binary because totally. it's you know it's androgynous clothes. Right, right. So like it is, yeah. It's like, some of it is like male coded, but it's like uh, there's nothing super duper gendered about like an Oxford. Well, right. yeah, I kind of think about it as like like quote unquote women's femme, whatever the fuck I usually say femme uh, clothing. It's it's like inherently. It inherently has like um, a thought that when people see, you know, attached to, it. like, oh, you're wearing a dress, like that's a that's a clear thing. But like, women mm-hmm. have women and femme people have worn suits since the dawn of the fucking suit. It might have been paired with a skirt. It might have right. been paired, you know, it's cut a little differently. But like, you know, t- tailored clothing, in my opinion, like you said, is completely gender neutral because it's kind of like. Mm-hmm. It, it it is kind of mostly just based around being like quote unquote officer, and so like you can't really fuck that up. More if you're flattering the human body. Yeah, totally, mm-hmm. totally. Like that's what tailored clothing, mm-hmm. like uh, mask or fit, is all about: is flattering the body and flattering the fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. a yeah, that's a like. I wanted a, to ask you. Yeah, go go for it. Um, about out about outfitting people in the book, like. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that generally? I mean, I don't know if you're, spoiler alert, like, I don't know if you, how did you choose what, let's say, the main character wears? Are you describing that once? Are you describing that often? Are there outfit changes? There there are a lot of, there's a lot of clothes talk in the book. Yeah. So a lot of times the outfit is very important to the scene. So for example... The main character is, um, you know, similar background to me. Um, he's he's Filipino, uh, Filipino American, first generation. He's going to an Ivy League school, and he's trying desperately to fit in. And there's kind of class difference because he's from working class back. 
So he goes to this event and he's told, okay, the um, dress code is smart sportswear. He doesn't know what that means. And he comes to the supper club dressed in a polo shirt with a zip up fleece hoodie. And everyone else is wearing like sport jackets and like, you know, Oxford shirts, loafers. And he's like, oh shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They laugh at him? No. But he feels self-conscious, like he's wearing yeah. the wrong thing because he's trying really hard to be accepted as one of them. Yeah, that's uh, pretty fraught, I guess. That's like very um, anxiety-ridden, I mm-hmm. would think. Yeah. Um, but then he, you know, he quickly learns like what, what he's supposed to wear to these different things. Like he's, he's good at figuring that out and being resourceful. Um, Dressing another example wearing the costume. His, his roommate is um his roommate is very is a very flamboyant um gay man who likes to wear vers this is the nineties, so he's wearing Versace. He's wearing mm. like those, you know, loud print Versace. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Classics. then they they have to go yeah. Um they have to go to a fraternity event and he's like afraid of getting picked on by the frat boys so the two of them are wearing matching outfits and it happens to be a light blue um oxford cloth button down khakis loafers and mm. yeah that, we've ta- we've talked about that particular uniform on this show before yeah yeah mm-hmm. this, uh, this sounds like a really cool book and also the fact that it's based in the 90s instead of like more of a modern kind of thing is it's super cool because, like, you know, like, polo was huge, and that polo look was huge. And so, yeah, oh, yeah. you're kind of, like, you know, it, it sounds like in your research you're getting to, you're you're diving into, like, more historical kind of, like, context of the night. Right, yeah, because that's, that's when I went to college. So I, I feel more comfortable writing from that perspective than present day, because, I mean, right. completely different landscape. Like, totally. Totally. Oh, also something <laughs> funny. There's like no internet. You know, well, who knows what the young all. people are doing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we like, all have a general idea. You uh, have no one. Yeah, like no one, no one um under thirty listens to this show. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> you know, I think mean? we've had it's like, just is like we, well, it's like we have the data. Yeah, yeah. We we may have had two guests. I think Nick and Laura are both under thirty, but maybe those are the only ones. We're we're like I don't know. Like we're we're that weird demographic that's like post thirty to fifty five or something, which I think is probably mm. the demographic for like online men's or online clothing shit in general. You should interview my daughter. Okay, we're down. Yeah, we'd be very curious to get some to get some young, yeah. does, truly. Does young your daughter people. steal yeah. your old band shirts? My my daughter steals all of my old goth clothes. That's so fucking she... awesome. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So I wore this, like, kind of, like, lace applique, um, strappy dress to the prom. Like, very, I don't know, like, cute goth, whatever. Right, right. And my daughter stole it, and she wore it in her senior portrait. Oh, that's fucking sick. Wow. See, and I'm glad that she's, like, going to the source and not just, like, not depending on, like, TikTok trends or whatever. And like, yeah, Sheen and like Hot Topic, which is somehow still a thing. Yeah. Like she, she's getting the like real she, shit. Right. Yeah. So she's getting it for me, but she also, she's good at thrifting. Oh, hell yeah. Um, it's she's, a skill. she's just, she has a very interesting sense of style for her age. That's cool. She only wears black and white and occasional pink, but she's not goth per se in the right. modern sense of goth. It's just her aesthetic. And right. she was That's named right. after a fashion designer, so this is all like oh, destiny. Who was she named after? Uh, when I was pregnant, I was watching Project Runway, and one of the finalists, maybe she won that year, I can't remember, was Chloe Dow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I see. Yeah. Wow. That's She's you guys, man. Like, <laughs> well, we have a question here about um, you made an Instagram post. You took your daughter to your alma mater, and you were kind of like, how do you feel about oh, it? Oh, gosh. This was very fraught. So I, I lost a friend over it. Oh, wow. Wait, wow. what? Are you... Oh, Holy well. Shit. To start, what is your alma mater? I don't want to drag it up. 
this see this i don't want to drag it up i don't want to drag it up yeah like uh i just thought it was awesome the result of it was awesome that you did not feel totally satisfied with your college experience but have worked so hard that your daughter could go where she wanted to right so so i um i went to a state school because it was affordable um and my one of my best friends from high school same situation <laughs> first generation filipino um parents are from the philippines he went to columbia um i went to visit him at columbia and i was like oh my god this is what college could be like why yeah does he get to have it but i don't so i i lived with that simmering for a long time um you know kind of chasing that ideal of what the american middle class is and yeah trans um not transcending it but like, so in my family it was always it was not really about surviving like we were surviving we were doing okay there was a point where we were on food stamps whatever we made our we made mm -hmm. my parents were able to make their way out of that and so we were doing more than surviving we were thriving but there was always this sense that they wanted to ascend the social hierarchy. Like they not only wanted to be seen as, you know, socially acceptable immigrants, they wanted to be part of the American middle-class fabric and not just seen as immigrants that are doing all okay. So that's, that's yeah. what I grew up with. So I grew up not just wanting to, you know, make it, but to make more of myself. So when I, you know, got married, had kids, got to a place where we could, you know, afford to allow our kids to to do better than we and in my mind that's okay. In other people's minds it's like, you know, why are you social climbing? Like good luck trying to my my former friend said good luck keeping up with the Joneses because, you know, this is the kind of yeah. life that I wanted for yeah. That's just like what is even the point of that? That's so fucking I don't know to say to someone. Like Right. You know, like essentially, you know, like why can't no, I like why can't I want it? Why can't well, I right. want it? And, and is like yeah. wrong it, to want isn't, it? Isn't the fucking point of being a human being leaving shit better than how you found it? Which is like you trying to provide shit to your daughter and, you know, your family as a whole, like that that you either didn't have or that you saw and was like, Oh, like I can I can get I can get Ask this. Like, it's not social climbing. It's just trying to be a decent fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. about, I don't know, like, exceptionalism to a, to a degree. And I think that the status quo in America, like, kind of pushes back against non-white people who are trying to get their piece of the American dream. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that that was the question. Like, what is it like to... Well, yeah, I guess, what is your view of the American dream? Like, some people would say you have achieved it. You are a virgin of the American dream. Is right. there a terminus to the American dream? I don't know. So it's it's really fraught because, I mean, you go out into the world as, you know, I go out into the world as somebody, a person of color. And, mm -hmm. you know, as evolved as we think we are, there's still people that are going to judge me. They're going to, they might think that, you know, I'm a new immigrant. I don't speak English. Maybe, you know, I'm struggling economically. And, you know, like a white person can go out into the world and there won't be those um, assumptions. So, and I, I guess that's where, I hate saying this word, but like Asian exceptionalism comes from, I think, is because we want to see, we want to be seen as more than just like, you know, people fresh off the boat trying to make like we're actually trying to contribute to american society totally yeah and then the the flip side of that for assholes is like uh like somehow you know like there's a there's a weird like fetishizing of, of a good majority of asian people for whatever reason like the quote-unquote model mm -hmm. immigrant. and like that's so mm -hmm. fucking gross mm -hmm. And it's like, mm -hmm. yo, I just, I'm just trying to be a person in society that makes right. a difference and does some cool shit. Uh, I, yeah. mm -hmm. And like you said, people think we're mm -hmm. way more evolved than we are. Well, that's a, that's a really good point about like 
the model minority myth. Right, right. And yeah, I I really love the show Beef. Have you guys seen that? It's a Netflix mm. series. Yeah. So it's 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 an almost you know ninety nine percent Asian American cast, and it's just mm-hmm. um, all behaving very badly, doing terrible things. But I love it because like it's showing that you know no, we are not like model minorities. We can be no. shitty people too. Yeah, exactly. Like you don't get asked. <laughs> like like white people overall are shitty. I'm shitty because of, you know blah blah blah. Like I. I understand this, and I try my best not to be a shitty human. Uh, but no, no race or ethnicity or anything else gives you a pass to be a shitty fucking person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a TV watcher. But I guess also on the the other the other side of that is also that you know not every Asian person needs to be perfect and exceptional. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, yeah. humans humans are flawed. <laughs> That's kind of the point of being human. Mm-hmm. Like, we're all fucked up. We've all got some shit uh, going on. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I'm not a TV person, but this sounds like a very interesting show. Just watching people do crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Well, I just, like, I can't imagine if my mom, like, because my friends, like, some of them Korean parents, some of them Chinese parents, uh, su- serious intervention in their academics. Like, mm-hmm. which my mom would, like, help me do stuff, but I would have just like died. I don't know what I would have done if uh she was like on me all the time. Like what would have happened to me? Mm-hmm. I would have turned out worse than I am. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, like, I, I, I did <laughs> not, not have like a stereotypical tiger mother because my mom was always so busy working. She didn't have right, time to right. be a tiger mother, but I just had a lot of deep thighs when I did things not as, as I should have. Yeah. And the deep sighs is a knife. Yeah, yeah it, it definitely can be. Well, so you say you DJ. Oh, COVID ruined DJing. Oh, did it really? Well, is it still ruined? Because I've me. seen people. For me, I've for seen me. people. Okay, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. You ruined it for me because I, I, I'm was a party DJ. So during COVID, there are no parties. Right. And then the the last party that I DJed was in may and it was not that well attended and not many people were dancing because there were still covid restrictions like you had to wear a mask on the dance floor right and you know and this there was a bar and you know what are you supposed to do you have a drink in hand you want to go to the dance floor but you have to wear your mask but you can't drink so yeah it was not fun yeah i'm not actively pursuing parties they they don't pay well anyway i mean me i just get them for fun yeah yeah, that's uh well maybe you can get back to it one of these days. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, how long have you been I don't know if it doing like be. DJ uh kids? Uh I I was a college radio DJ. Oh hell yeah. Um, oh, wow. in college. So that's how I got my start DJing and then I would DJ like background instrumental music with my partner when we were in the city. Um and then by accident, um, I DJ this humongous party. I, I swear there was probably a thousand people. Oh shit! Because wow. the the DJ who was my friend had broke their laptop and was like, "You have good taste in music. Help me!" And I DJ this party, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I think I could do this." And then I got invited to do other parties. And it took off wow. from there. That's cool. What That's a, really fun. What kind of you know? What kind of stuff do you uh, like? Your most fun gigs. Like what kind of stuff were you playing? Then? Um, I, the ones that were most fun were probably like the themed nights. Okay. So like goth industrial night, sure, super fun because I really enjoy that music anyway. Um, eighties night is fun. Um, yeah. I did nineties a nineties rave like right before I think it was twenty nineteen, right before COVID. So the yeah, last like, rave um, of yeah. all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that sounds. I um I wanted to ask about dark academia. I mean, that's a big part of the book. It's a part of your style. It's so I mm-hmm. wanted to get from the horse's mouth, as it were, mm-hmm. what your I guess de- definition would be. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot, but you know, <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe dark academia. So, um, so like example. 
I guess example. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's it's I guess it's it's a genre of fiction, but it's also an aesthetic. Um, I I don't know. Like for me, it's it's smart people doing very bad things. They wow. dressed really nice while doing it. Smart That's what people. dark academia is okay. to me. Right. <laughs> That's that's really funny because like. It's a little bit Ivy. It's like, I didn't want to bore our listeners with my definition. Like, it's like looking like a professor, but you're like an evil one. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's uh, the colors are, you're probably not wearing a lot of pink in a dark academia fit. Right. But then there's light academia that has a lot more. Which is how I dress. (laughs) But dork academia is the hashtag that I use occasionally, (laughs) uh, which I think is fitting. (laughs) It's not not a dig at you, it's a dig at me. (laughs) I like it, though. Yeah, it's funny. I I mean, I think think that the whole... uh, When I was at school in 2008, like, I was wearing a tie all the time, as I do now, and people just thought I was a professor. Mm. There's the professor guy. He sure does Mm -hmm. smoke a lot of cigarettes. (laughs) I mean, that also tracks. What is this... Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. So they did ban cigarette smoking eventually. Just uh, talk about talk about fraud. My relationship with UMBC's cigarette policy is very fraught indeed. <laughs> I got a lot of tickets because <laughs> they would walk around and give you a ticket if you were smoking a cigarette. Absurd. Wow. I don't even smoke cigarettes anymore, but I still feel like that is. Wow. Uh, I don't know. That's like like walk up to you and write you a ticket. Like wow, that's, that's you're smoking that's cigarettes. Crazy. Yeah, really wild. <laughs> so anyway, in, in my book, which takes place in the nineties, everybody's smoking, and they're yeah, standing on campus. They're standing outside yes. their dorms and smoking. Yeah, yeah, which is what we did. Oh, totally, totally. What grunge music makes the book? Because that's my like. I was gonna say this earlier. It's sort of boring, but like I was cosplaying Kurt Cobain, middle school and high school in the two thousands. Mm. You know, like anachronistic, definitely. Um, so I was wondering that, what the grunge appearances in the book. Actually, none. None. <laughs> Two passe. Two passe. No, no, just, just, just because the the people in the book are anachronistically listening to eighties music. Like, oh, yeah. I see. I see. I okay. see. Well, follow up question. They could discover. They could discover Bleach. <laughs> yeah. In the eighty nines. Follow up question. Like, are there on. are there any eighties artists that make like a that you like name drop just out of my own curiosity? Oh, um, for I don't know sure. how that works. Um, also with like copyright and shit, so if that's not possible, I I don't know. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm pretty sure I, I'm not like I've never been traditionally published, so I don't know how this works. Right. But I'm pretty sure it'll. I I'm pretty sure you can name drop, but um, Morrissey gets a name dropped. Of course, mm-hmm. um, of course. Also, also, kind of dark academia in a weird way, like yes, like very well dressed, but yeah. also like doing terrible the, shit. The Smith, yeah, the Smith and Morrissey are dark academia before there was dark academia. Right, right, yes, yes. Set, uh, sadly, yeah, sadly, yeah, Morrissey, I mean, particularly the lyrics. Right, right. Yeah, Morrissey's a dick. Yeah, <laughs> I have a Morrissey complete dick. I have a Morrissey tattoo that did not age. Uh, I'll put it that way. Aww. Yeah. I, I, was a, I was a super fan. I was a super fan. Yeah, I, I, I still... Back in the day. I'm going to admit this, uh, because it's just one of my favorite songs of all time, but, like, as shitty as he is now, and, like, I, I, I have a hard time listening to the Smiths or Morrissey because of that fucking... But uh, I, mm. I will still secretly put on Speedway occasionally just because that song holds a ton of men. So, I... You can hear that, you know, maybe twice a year. Mm. Yeah, I can't listen to Morrissey at all, but I can listen to the Smiths every day. I feel it. I feel it. So Morrissey gets a name drop. Uh, Who else? Because this is going to be good. Um, Duran Duran gets a lot of. Nice. Gets a lot of. Well, that that (laughs) makes sense. Yeah, because Duran Duran inspired the book, so they're all over it. Kelly, you mentioned the hip-hop which we glossed over a little bit right you say you listen to a lot of old school hip-hop i was curious about that do you listen to any new hip-hop do you listen to are there trap artists who you respect 
I I don't like actively listen to hip hop anymore, but I like what's happening in hip hop right now. Like I like a lot of the female rappers yeah. coming out, you know. Um but not like actively listening. Yeah, of course. And there's so much garbage weighed through. I mean, and there was like a really long period of like hip hop was just not interesting to me at all, at all. What, um, what period there, are we talking? Yeah, have been... We're talking like prior to like seven years ago, like before Megan Thee Stallion, before oh, okay. Cardi B. So the kind of like, the like late aughts and early like 2010. Uh, is that is that kind of the time period? Because I feel like a lot of music. So, yeah. Happens. So like after <laughs> yes, after yeah. the golden age until like a few years ago. Right. Yeah. Like and, and I I you know I'm I'm I'll be forty next month. Uh, have a huge mm-hmm. like musical uh musical taste, and there is very little that I go back and listen to of most genres from that time period. Like there was good mm-hmm. shit here mm-hmm. and there, but I I feel like you know. Pretty much everything just, I don't know, suffered. Maybe it was just like a transitional game. Mm. Not a lot of staying power. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. shit that I liked like, back the, then that was new didn't really age that. Mm. Yeah, like a lot of the music that I was listening to in high school, like I can't, like I can't listen to it all. Like grindcore, like that kind of more extreme metal. And like, you, yeah, lots of screaming I just can't listen to anymore. You just get, at least I have gotten old. <laughs> well, so what do you think, Matt? I, man, this was, this was awesome. And we covered a lot of very, like, I don't know. We, we kind of did this more free form than usual. Um, partly because Connor's mm-hmm. been sick, but like, yeah, this was a great conversation. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Stace, me for coming on. Us, why don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Thank you. You know, I, I feel like we could have an entire episode with you again, that we just talk about music <laughs> and like, <laughs> Music and its influence on style, because I feel like that's something mm-hmm. that me and Connor, for sure, and seemingly you also, like, that played a big role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Sure. I'll say this on, I'll say this on the record. Matt takes notes during the show, as do I. Matt has taken, like, a full page of notes. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so Matt was, Matt was engaged. I was very engaged. Any, anytime, like, like a professor. Yeah. Any time that I get to use music and clothing talk, like I'm fucking hundred percent down all the time. Um, so yeah, this yeah. Is really fun. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we uh, we just had our our first like uh, two or I guess what return guest with Shane. Yeah, down down the line mm-hmm. in the next you know nine months or so, we'll have you back on. And maybe hey, maybe you can talk more about your book too. Yeah, that would be super cool. Fuck it. Hell Fuck yeah. It. Well, the Apocalypse Duds exclusive book launch. Yeah. 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 Just give us a press pass on the on the journey when you when you start that one. Right. That's all that I want. We will get an advanced reader copy. We we don't have to be the yeah, first. Yeah, no, that's please. We don't have to be the first interview, but this is straight the fuck up our wheelhouse. So we want to be in the first five, if that's okay. It's not yeah. even done and I don't have an agent, but okay. Hell yeah. yeah! Well, listen well, when you when you have your when you have your billions of dollars from this franchise, you'll be looking oh, back. No, and you'll no. think, oh my no. word! I should have done that yeah. interview, and here I am. Uh, so thank you. Yeah, yeah it's been you. really a delight. I yeah, it's been, been great. Um, yeah, and we always this for a while, so this is awesome. We always like to give uh, our guests a chance to plug whatever they want to plug. So have at. Um, you can follow me on instagram um at sartorial underscore misfit um all my other accounts are private um and i will not accept your request um <laughs> solid, I, do, solid. <laughs> I i do want to plug something but the website is down right now but hopefully it'll be back up um i am um i've been running a fundraiser for the transgender law center um mm-hmm. over the past year so far, we have raised close to $4,000. It's still running. Um, it, you can go to misty-con.com, M-I-S-T-I-C-O-N.com, and there's a button there that says Donate to Transgender Law Center. Um, so if anybody's listening and wants to kick in a few bucks to that, um, it's yes, a really please. good cause, especially with all the you know anti-trans legislation going on in this country right now. Um, website should be up again. So yeah, 
I guess that's it. Awesome, awesome. We we always well, well, you know, anyone. <laughs> I was just I, gonna say we're it. about to say the same giving thing. Giving us money. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. If it, we guys? always we always plug like, hey, if you like what we do, like make a donation. Um, for this episode and literally any episode, we if we ever ask that and you want to donate to this fundraiser, um, more so than us, or not even more so, just donate to this other fundraiser. Uh, if you can kick us both some cool, but we we want some shit to go to to this organization. So uh, thank you for plugging that. That's that's fucking great. Oh, thanks for letting me. Of course, of course. Well, um, everyone, thank you for listening. Um, it was a really fun conversation, and uh, yeah, I'm Matt Smith at Rebels Rogues, and I'm Connor Fowler at Connor Fowler. And come back next week for a new episode. Yeah. Have a good day. <laughs> Okay, we have okay. we have an epilogue to the show that we just uh, the show that we just recorded, which was one of the best. Uh, sorry to all the other guests, we're not discounting you, but this was fucking awesome, and you're gonna love it. Um, and we are going to be graced with a Ralph Lauren story because I did not bring okay. it up enough on this episode. Because I knew that you have that Ralph quota, I had to search for a, something Ralph to say. And this is my this is this is how we meet the Ralph quota. So in my line of work, I am a veterinary nurse, and I work for a um, a concierge vet service. So we go into people's houses, apartments, and we wow. provide veterinary care. Gotcha. So. Okay. Six degrees of separation from Ralph Lauren. I work in Westchester County, um, New York. Ralph mm-hmm. Lauren lives in Westchester County, New York. Um, one of his houses, his you know equestrian estate or whatever, is in Bedford, New York, Westchester County. Sure. I take care of not Ralph's dogs, but Ralph's <laughs> caretaker, like. The person who's like the head ter- caretaker of his estate, I take care of his dogs. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. But not Ralph's dogs. I would love to take care of Ralph's dogs, yeah. but we don't. I don't even I... take care of Hillary Clinton's dogs, and my boss lives like down the street from her. Right. Okay. Wow. Okay. That that is possibly the coolest Ralph story we will ever have on this show. <laughs> Uh, also, I did not know silliest. you were a vet tech, or I would have asked a thousand different questions about animals because I'm a oh. massive animal person. Uh, Connor is not, famously. Uh, <laughs> Whoa, you're going to throw me under the bus like this? <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, on air, Connor on the air, they're fine. Uh, don't you're, touch you're, me, I don't want to hear You're a plant it. parent, but you're a plant parent. I see yeah, that nice I plants. am, and I'm I, a fucking teacher, so I deal with... Children for my job. Yes, you are I a nurturer. No one ever gives any credit for. No one ever says, oh my God, what a nice thing you do to take care of the kids. They say, fuck you. We're giving you $2 an hour. And that's what happens. I will qualify as a teacher. I used to be oh, a teacher. Oh, God. Yeah. You did? Yes, I was a science teacher. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I really fucked up by being sick because I have like notes but maybe i wouldn't have been able to find out that you were a teacher anyway did you teach no middle school? probably not no i i used to teach from first grade through eighth grade wow yeah yeah so um i i taught at, as an environmental educator in the bronx um for a few years and then i taught for two years at a private school in these village. Wow. You yeah. really have done a lot of stuff. Did you go to school to be a, like the veterinary nurse or did you, so I guess I, you had to go to school to do that. I, I went to school. Um, um, I, the first degree that I got was in environmental science. Um, mm. So I wanted to be an environmental educator. Really. I wanted to be a park ranger. And oh, I kept getting wow. told that I do not have the temperament to enforce laws. <laughs> so I, I, I wouldn't. 
I interviewed many times for you. for the. <laughs> I, I was interviewed um, a couple times to be a park ranger, and I, I never got the job. Um, so the, I didn't know what to do. So I became an environmental educator, and then I found myself in the classroom, and it was soul crushing. No offense. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> what I do is I work for two and a half hours every day with a kindergarten class or a first grade class. That's what I do. Oh, so that's that's the best. It's pure joy oh, <laughs> it's like well, i'm nice. sick again but it's like and i only have to teach the one subject so it's just like mr khan is the reading guy and that's the whole like everyone wants to be in my little class <laughs> so it's like oh, that, so it's like that's perfect. perfect perfect and i absolutely but teaching despise... is extremely hard I was yeah, going to say, I, get his, uh... I absolutely despise children and I absolutely love animals. So <laughs> that's where I am on the spectrum. Uh, See, this is why the show, the yin and yang of the show. Also, I don't know if, I don't know if a cab can, contains park rangers, but I, I kind of say if you're enforcing laws in certain ways, uh, then yeah. Like if you're writing the ticket, you're, you're a cop. So. Gotta get that one in there. Mm. Interesting. So maybe, wanted to become a park ranger. He has maybe a, it's he has for a the PhD. Best. I, like I, I don't know anything about park rangers, so I, I I I'm not judging. But well, like I know that they I know that they bust people for cannabis. Like that's right. something that yeah. they are like very proud of doing, which I think yeah. is like. Bro, you're in but nature, and people trying to that, trying like, to enjoy nature. Just, enjoy just, nature. Just, maybe mm. maybe yeah. eat off that shit a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I anyway. didn't want to do the enforcement part. I just wanted yeah. to do the, you know, yeah, the education, environmental education part. Totally. Yeah, totally. yeah. Which it sounds like you would have been awesome at. So when things are different and when uh, everything's going our way, you'll be a park ranger someday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I want to be anymore. But it that's just okay. doesn't work like yeah, that. Yeah, no. yeah, I no, think it would be a different job. Now. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm too deeply entrenched in my job now, and I did have to go back to school to to get a um, veterinary nursing degree, and I, I do with my job right now. That's awesome. What's the just for my application? Uh, what is the cutest animal that you have uh, handled in your veterinary? <laughs> I I'm definitely a cat person. Okay. Yeah. Um. I yeah. find cats I mean, agreeable. Yeah. 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 Although, okay, I I I I had a um French bulldog puppy yesterday that was so freaking cute. Oh yeah. How little is that? That's gotta be like, it's like a tiny three piglet. inches big. Tiny piglet. Right. Yeah, that's funny. They don't stay cute forever though. They but Dude. French bulldogs, yeah. English bulldogs, no. French bulldogs, I mean, cute forever. I, I will, I will, <laughs> I am firmly, although like their breeding makes it a, a an issue. Um, I love bulldogs oh, yeah. of all yeah. stripes. Um, English bulldogs mm. are ugly cute. French bulldogs are cute cute. Mm. And I will not take mm -hmm. any questions at this time. They're, they're both adorable, <laughs> just in certain ways. I'll have to look. I'll have to look. Um, yeah. Because I don't even know what the difference is. It's yeah, like like, like Shih Tzus no and poodles and those types of like like there's one Havanese, my friend Eleanor's uh, or my best friend Eleanor's parents' dog uh, that I think is cute just because she's adorable. But like there there are some breeds that I will shit talk endlessly. Uh, bulldogs <laughs> are not one of them. <laughs> Wow, and we really run the gamut on this show. Everyone. Yeah, we, we went off the rails a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah, thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, hopefully, I will be less sick sounding in our next interview. Feel Cheerio. better, Connor. <laughs>